So we begin at chapter 18, verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not want to enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfil what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. 
Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Thank you, Sue. Well, good morning. Let me uh, add to Ben's welcome. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. For those who don't know me, my name's Jono, and uh, I uh, lead the, the ministries here at Grace Anglican Churches. And it's uh, my privilege to be uh, gathered with you today and to be opening God's word on this very uh, significant occasion. Well, uh, let's pray as we come to reflect on this part of the scriptures. Our Father, we uh, do thank you for your word and we thank you for this day as we particularly remember and, and uh, celebrate the gift of your son who died for us. And Father, we pray that you give us understanding of your word and that we would take it to heart and live according to your will when we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, life is full of questions. Uh, we face a great myriad of questions every day. I mean, questions that demand an answer. Perhaps questions that force a decision. Uh, they might be big, life-changing questions. They may be insignificant, largely irrelevant questions. They may be theoretical, out there questions that have no sort of direct bearing on our lives. Or they may impact us closely and deeply and personally. Questions that can range from, what will I eat for breakfast? I'll try to keep it simple, just have two options. Uh, what will I eat for breakfast through to, should I apply for that new job? Who left the lid off the toothpaste? Which is the fastest way to work? What does that person think of me? Should I get married or stay single? Should I stay married or become single? There's all sorts of questions that we face, big and small, which are thrown at us, which, fa which we face, which we ask, which we answer day by day. I want to put before us this morning a question which is raised by the part of the Bible that we've just read, and which I believe is actually the most important question to ask and to answer. And that question is, is Jesus the King? Now, this question is not just a a theoretic, theoretical, somewhat detached, sort of out there question like maybe who is the Prime Minister of Australia? Um, sometimes it can be hard to remember who the Prime Minister of Australia, they seem to chop and change so much but uh, our current guy, Alba, he's, he's doing pretty well, he's coming up to one year now so that's, that's a decent innings for a Prime Minister. Unlike the identity of Australia's Prime Minister though, the answer to the question is Jesus the King, that is one that that impacts us massively, deeply, personally. 
This question will now this will sit differently with different people. Uh, certainly amongst the world at large, many would see the question of is Jesus the king as kind of about as relevant as is Elvis the king? You know, a, a small devoted following would say, yes, Elvis is the king. But really that's of no real consequence to anyone else Unless, of course, you're wanting to book accommodation in Katoomba on the, the one weekend of the year that's the annual Elvis Festival. I have tried to do that before. <laughs> but for some, the question, is Jesus the king? Well, it's kind of in the same category. That may be the case for some of you here this morning. If, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. But I want to say that the question, is Jesus the king, is a crucial one. It's one of massive importance, as I hope we'll see as we look at this part of the Bible. Because this is the question that, that this part of the Bible that we've just read, it, it raises, it's a theme that, that runs throughout this account of Jesus' trial before Pilate. Pilate, the, the Roman governor, is faced with this question, is Jesus the king? He's forced to come up with an answer of, of some sort. Now, the account before us that we've read is, is structured in, in seven scenes with Pilate going back and forward, inside and outside. I don't know if you noticed that as Sue read that. It's, he goes inside the palace, outside the palace, inside, outside, as he makes up his mind about Jesus. And I think this movement, inside, outside, inside, out, it, it highlights this decision that needs to be made. And I think as readers, it raises the question for us too, how will we respond to the claim that Jesus is the king? Let me show you quickly this movement. It starts um, with the Jewish leaders taking Jesus to Pilate, uh, to the, the palace uh, of the Roman governor, and they, um, they want Jesus dead. But under Roman law, they, uh, they don't have the authority to execute, so they need Pilate to do their dirty work for them. Uh, so they go to his palace. Uh, but verse 28, it says, By now it was early, uh, early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Now, for them as Jews, for, for them to enter into the house of a Gentile, a non-Jew, that would make them ceremonially unclean. According to their law, they'd have to go through various ceremonial rituals to become clean again. And because it was Passover time, this, this significant Jewish festival, well, they wanted to avoid becoming unclean. You see the irony here. I'm sure John included this detail. To, to highlight this, they're about to murder the Son of God, the King of the universe, their, their creator and sustainer, and yet they're worried about becoming ceremonially unclean by entering the house of a Gentile. So they stay outside. Uh, verse 29, Pilate came out to them to speak to them. And then you jump down to verse 33. It says Pilate uh, went back inside the palace. And then verse 38, halfway through with this, he went out again to the Jews. And then 19 verse 1, Pilate took Jesus, and, who was inside the palace, and had him flogged. And then verse 4, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, and, and then jump down to verse 9. It says uh, he went back inside the palace, he questioned Jesus further, and then verse 13, he brought Jesus out. So Pilate went in and out as he makes up his mind about Jesus. He's choosing between Jesus and the world against Jesus. And as the reader, we're called to make the same choice. 
How will we respond to this charge, this question, is Jesus the king? Well, let's dig into this and see how it addresses and answers this all-important question. So, scene one, Pilate goes out to them and asks, verse 29, what charges are you bringing against this man? Now, that would seem to be a kind of normal way to start a trial. They've brought this man to be tried by him, and he starts by asking, well, what's the charge? But I think perhaps the Jews are a little taken aback by this question. They're maybe assuming that, well, he's going to be on their side, and and he's going to be ready to to give the command to, to crucify him. So when Pilate starts back at square one and says, well, what's the charges that you're bringing against this man? They respond, perhaps a little miffed, verse 30, if he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. It's obvious, right, Pilate? I mean, trust us. Of course this man's guilty. Pilate doesn't want to be a pawn in their plan. Verse 31, he says, take him yourself. Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone they objected. Now, under Roman rule, only the Romans could dish out the death penalty. And here, the Jewish leaders, well, they show their hand. They're actually not interested in a trial. They just want Jesus dead. And these words recorded by John just drip with irony. We have no right to execute anyone they confess. Indeed, they had no right, but it didn't stop them. Well, scene two, verse 33, Pilate then went back out, back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, presumably that had been part of the, the discussions between the Jewish leaders and Pilate. They said Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews and they're trying to get him convicted of insurrection, of rebellion, of treason against Caesar. So Pilate asked, well, are you? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus turns the interrogation around. He takes control. He questions Pilate, verse 34. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Pilate's saying, this is not not my squabble. What have you done? Jesus answers his question, is he a king? Verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus speaks of of his kingdom, but he makes it very clear. His kingdom is is not of this world. He's not guilty of rebelling against Caesar. His kingdom is, is not threatened by his arrest. And if it were, his servants would fight to stop it. Pilate responds, probably with mocking, oh, you are a king then. Jesus answers, again, turning the table on Pilate. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. I am the king, says Jesus. I I came to this world to bring The truth, Pilate, you say the words that you say I'm a king, do you believe it? If you're on the side of the truth, you'll listen to me, says Jesus. Jesus is is calling to Pilate, inviting him to side with the truth, just to listen to him. 
Pilate's faced with a choice between Jesus and the world against Jesus. Pilate dismisses Jesus with the words, what is truth? I wonder how Pilate said those words. Was it uh, ambivalent, what is truth? Was it cynical? (sighs) What is truth? Whatever the case, Pilate wasn't asking, hoping for an answer. He he walked away, verse 38 says, "With, with this he went out again. He walked away from the very one who came into this world to bring the truth, to call us to side with the truth. How often is that true of people today? Instead of listening to the one who claimed to be the way, the truth and the life, the only way to God the Father, instead people dismiss Jesus. You don't believe that rubbish, do you? And they walk away. Pilate dismissed Jesus. But he could still see that he was innocent. He could see that he was no threat to Rome, so he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, verse 38, I find no basis for a charge against him. He knows he's innocent. And then he sees a way that he can get Jesus released. He says, verse 39, Uh, But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They say, no, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. John adds, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. He was guilty of rebellion of treason against Rome. So what does Pilate do with Jesus, the king of the Jews? Well, he goes back in. And he mocks and ridicules and tortures him. I mean, he knows that Jesus is innocent. And if he were a man of integrity, of justice, he would have just said, I find no basis of a charge and released him. But instead, he had him flogged. Maybe he was trying to appease the Jewish leaders. The soldiers mocked him. They dressed him up as a king with a purple robe and a crown, but a crown of thorns. They mocked him again and again. Hail, King of the Jews. They slapped him in the face. These are soldiers who are out of control, mocking, playing with their prey. And then Pilate parades Jesus out before them, presumably to mock Jesus and I think to mock them also. He says, 19 verse 4, he says, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. You say he claims to be the king of the Jews, that he's some sort of threat to Rome. This man, defenceless, bloodied, beaten. Verse 5, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. Now Pilate speaks words far better than he knows. Here is the man. And they're words intended to mock Jesus. And yet, here is the man, the one John presents as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God himself become man, the word become flesh. Here is the man. But verse 6, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify, But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. And so they shift tactics. They shift the charge. Instead of going for rebellion against Rome, which Pilate's not taking seriously, 
He's not a king. Well, they reveal their religious problem. He is guilty of blasphemy, they say. Verse 7, the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. Now at this point, this frightens Pilate, not because he cares about Jewish law, but because he begins to wonder if this man that he has in custody is perhaps someone more than just a Galilean carpenter come preacher. Is he some sort of divine man, a son of God? So he goes back into the palace. In verse 9, he says to Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus answered, gave him no answer. He says, do you, you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. He says, God is in control. So Pilate tries again to set Jesus free. And so the Jewish leaders pull out their trump card. Verse 12, the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. What would your boss Caesar think of you releasing a man who claimed to be a king? I don't think he'd be too happy, Pilate. This is the Jewish leader's checkmate against Pilate. So verse 13, when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat of the place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. He mocks them. And then here comes the bomb. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered now these are jews these are the jewish priests these are the jewish chief priests central to their whole worldview is that the lord god is king and they say we have no king but caesar they've rejected god's son they've rejected god verse 16 finally pilate handed him over to them to be crucified Is Jesus the king? That's the question that this passage raises and, and, and addresses in a number of ways. And I want to draw out really four answers, if you like, to that question. Firstly, to the question, is Jesus king? This world says no. Uh, throughout this account, everyone stands against Jesus. He's deserted by his followers. He's denied by even his closest friends. He's rejected and fiercely opposed by the Jewish leaders. He's mocked and ridiculed by the soldiers. He's dismissed, despised, and in the end handed over to be, to be crucified by Pilate. Everyone in this account, everyone in the world, everyone in this school hall, you and I, to the question, is Jesus the king? We have all answered, no, I reject him as king. I mean, we may read this and we may think, well, gee, I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have stood up for Jesus. I would have stood up for justice. But in the end, we, we actually are no different. 
I am no different. By our thoughts and words and actions, we are guilty in effect of saying, no, Jesus, you're not the king. I'm the one who calls the shots around here in, in my little corner of the world in my life. As John writes earlier in the gospel, in uh, chapter 3, verse 19, he says, Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Is Jesus the king? Well, we've all answered, no, I, I don't want him as king. But secondly, is Jesus the king? God says a resounding yes. I mean, on the surface of things, this may look like a disaster, a tragedy. It's all gone wrong and God has, has got to somehow sort of salvage something from the situation. No, this was God's plan all along. Three times in the earlier chapters of John's gospel, it records Jesus saying that he will be lifted up or lifted up from the earth, speaking of his death. This was God's plan, that Jesus would die. Which is why he, he didn't want his followers to fight to prevent his arrest. And so when Peter drew his sword in the garden, he told him to put it away. And he said, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus knew this was God's plan. I mean, he could have called down a whole army of angels to save him if he'd wanted to. He could have used his power to defeat them himself. He could have prevented his arrest. But he didn't because this was God's plan. Is Jesus the king? God says yes. And his kingdom is not of this world. Thirdly, is Jesus the king? Yes. And he's the king who died for you. We might be able to relate to, to different people in this, in this gospel account. Maybe we can relate to the disciples who deserted him and denied him. Or the Jewish leaders who opposed and rejected him. The soldiers who mocked him. Pilate who dismissed him. You know, the one person who we should all relate to in this story is Barabbas. Barabbas was to Rome what we are before God. Left to ourselves, we are guilty of taking part in an uprising, a rebellion against God. The Bible describes this elsewhere in Ephesians 2 as being dead in our transgressions and sins, facing God's wrath. But praise God, Jesus, the innocent one, has taken our place, bearing the punishment for our sin so that we, like Barabbas, can go free. He is the king. He's the king who died for you and me to open the way to be welcomed into his kingdom. Fourthly, is Jesus the king? Well, as I said earlier, this is not just a, a distant, out there, abstract question. It's actually a personal question. I don't mean it's personal in the sense of it's you know, a matter of personal choice as a kind of you know, choose your own reality as to whether or not Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. No, the Bible tells us clearly, testifying to the reality that Jesus is in fact God's appointed king over his eternal kingdom. But it is a personal question in that we can't just leave it out there and say, oh yeah, Jesus is the king. Now, the question becomes a personal one. Is Jesus my king? That is, will I listen to him? Will I allow him to speak into my life, to speak over my life, to shape and change, to rule my life, my thoughts, my words, my actions? Will I listen to him as my king? Will I side with the truth, with the true king of God's kingdom? 
Some of you here this morning um, may not have made that decision. Maybe you're just visiting here this morning, um, Good Friday, maybe you got a flyer in the mail, maybe you're here with a, an invite of a friend or family member. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you, you haven't yet made a decision. I want to say, if you're not a Christian, I hope and pray that you will see what Jesus has done for you. All of us in one way or another have, have denied and rejected Jesus as the rightful king and ruler that he is. And that's a problem. That rebellion of ours leaves us like Barabbas who stood condemned before Rome. Left to ourselves, we stand alienated from God, condemned before him. But such is his love for us that Jesus took that condemnation, our punishment, took that death that we deserved so that we can be pardoned, we can be forgiven, we can be welcomed into God's kingdom at peace with him now and forever. I want to say, if you don't know that reality yourself. I hope and pray that you will come before God, that you'll sort things out with him, that you'll pray to him and say something like, I I can see that I've been living my own way with me as king over my life. I've rejected you as king. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place, to set me free. Please forgive me. Please change me so that I live with Jesus as my king. Friends, that's the sort of prayer that you that you might pray to change from saying, no, Jesus is not the king, to yes, Jesus is my king. I hope you make that step, that you pray that prayer. If you're not sure about that, uh, if you want to think further about what that means, please do so. Please uh, read John's gospel, read an account of his life. Come talk to me, talk to Ben, talk to a Christian friend. And I want to say to to everyone who's here this morning who has taken that step and said, yes, Jesus is my king, which I take it is probably uh, most people here. My hope and my prayer for you this day, as you reflect on on this part of God's word, is a simple one. It's that we will see the love of our king. That Jesus came into this world to, to bring us the truth. That he endured horrendous, unjust suffering at the hands of wicked men, that he went willingly to his death, bearing the wrath of God for you, for me, in our place. He did that out of love for us so that we would be forgiven, that we'd be reconciled, that we'd be at peace with God, that we'd be welcomed into his eternal kingdom. See the love of your king and rest assured that God is for you. See his love. See his all importance. His all importance, even in the face of a hostile world. See his love and listen to him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us in sending us your Son, Jesus. Father, we know that in many ways we have We have said no to the claim that he is king over us. And we are sorry for our rebellion. Lord Jesus, we thank you for bringing us truth, for shining light into our darkness. We thank you for ultimately taking our place in your death and opening the way to your kingdom. Please forgive us for our rebellion and please change us that day by day we would listen to you as Lord, as King over us. 
And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.